0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Earlier this week, we cut up Kyler Murray's dynasty outlook. Tonight, we're talking Dak Prescott. Is he a value at QB11 and underdog? Or are there better options later?
2: What's up, Roto
1: Welcome into the fantasy football podcast here at RotoVit.
2: Good save. Good save. I, I... <laughs>
1: I switched it around, man. I, I was just eating my pizza I wasn't ready for. it. Um, I'm Curtis Patrick, joined by Dave and We are two of the owners here, rudoviz.com. And we are continuing to talk the quarterback position um, this week. I, I mean, it's, it's a position that is, you know, it's, it's morphing in terms of value. Uh, it's rapidly changing. The elite guys have really been climbing up the board the past couple of years to where now, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing – the elite guys: Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen. I mean, these are all you know, round two picks in single QB <laughs> big time tournaments like the Underdog Best Ball Mania Four. And you know, it's yeah, the, the elite guys have crept up the board, but you know, the low end QB ones and the high end QB twos have kind of stayed put. And I so I think it, it's it's definitely worthwhile to talk about the QB 11s and 12s and and 16s. If you're going to build a team around just two quarterbacks or even waiting and doing three late, you got to understand, you know, what is the upside? What does 2023 look like? If you're going to take a risk and not draft one of those really early guys, you know, what are you getting yourself into? What are you signing up for? You know, Kyler Murray, when we talked about him earlier this week, Dave, the injury really leaves it kind of in flux. And so we focus that conversation a little bit more on Dynasty, a little bit less on the 2023 outlook there. But to, uh, for this episode, we want to focus more on the 2023 outlooks. We're going to talk a little bit about Des- Dak Prescott and then a couple other options that are you know, in the early 30s, you know, mid to mid-late career. And you know, can they repeat their stellar 2022 performances at a discount that is enticing compared to where you got to draft Trevor Lawrence or Deshaun Watson?
2: For sure, Curtis. I mean, I think this is always a uh, useful exercise. It's a really interesting group of players that uh, we have here as well, ready to go tonight. Before we start, though, I want to throw one thing out there. I am currently drafting, as we are speaking, in an auction draft for uh, the NBC draft guide that will be coming out this summer. As I mentioned to you earlier, I'm a little on tilt because my daughter uh, hit my screen when Darren Waller's picture popped up, and uh, caused me to bid eleven dollars on him and get stuck with him. <sighs> and uh, I'm still recovering, so this is my caveat of saying: if you know I'm off form a little bit tonight, that is why.
1: Okay, so what? What I mean are you in the middle of a bid decision right now, or uh, actually, are you throwing that out there, letting people know about this terrible? fantasy. Well, I was upset
2: about that, but budgeting. Brandon Cooks just came on the board, and I think I might get him for $2, which would be another fantastic end of draft deal. Oh, no. He got bit up. I might go for $4. All right. I'm not going to bore everybody with my auction draft here. <laughs> yeah. Dave, please
1: just update us with how many dollars every player is going, going for, for All right, without visuals. <laughs>
2: all,
1: all right. It, it, I can I have a segue there, though, because... Yep. You did tell me in the show prep that you had already uh, drafted CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup. And now you just mentioned Brandon Cook. So let's talk Dak Prescott and Cowboys offense. Because clearly, Dave, you must be thinking great things are in store if you're trying to gobble up the Dallas pass catchers.
2: (laughs) Well, one would think one would think. Uh, I will be honest, though. I think Dak Prescott falls into an interesting position here, which I will lead up to where, you know, you're on the precipice of feeling like it could go either way. But what I want to outline here is if we look at the last four years for Dak, completion percentage has been between 65 and 69. He's stayed in that range. His catchable sure. percentage 2019, it was at 83, remains at 83. On target Good. percentage, right in line where it's been, it's been between 73 and 75 every season. Uh, converting similar air yards across those years stays right on average with a dot last year and puts up 17 uh, passes to every touchdown, which was actually more competitive than we saw from him back in 2019 and 2020. He's actually been more efficient at throwing touchdown passes. The last two seasons doing it at an average rate of 16.5 attempts to every touchdown, uh, his sack rate, precious per sack, staying fairly steady. Now, last year, he was a QB1 in 50% of games. Since 2019, he's been a QB1 in 61% of games. So we did see a little bit of a drop from him last year. Interestingly, Curtis, in 2021, five games with 30 plus points, four games between 25 to 30 this is where we do see a little bit of a dip only had one game of 30 plus last year. Of course, he only played in 12 games. I should note. And only one of 25 to 30, you would assume if you had an extra, go ahead.
1: Two of those games, he didn't really play You know the whole game either. I mean, he was in, you know, so, uh, you know, he missed the time, you know, the the context matters. And then, and then in 2020, he was the QB one overall and then went down, you know, uh, After, I think, five games, three of those five games, he had over 34 fantasy points. So, yeah, I mean, it's easy to forget how elite his production has been at times, but I think you bring up a good point where, you know, we're seeing slightly fewer ceiling games and the ceiling in those ceiling games seems to be getting squashed just a bit year over year over year.
2: Yep. And one thing that's going to contribute to this is that we do see the yards per carry fall compared to where they were earlier in his career. And also uh, early on, he was scoring um, a touchdown like every 10 or so rushes. Now he's only doing it like every 48, 44 rushes and his total rushing attempts have come down. So that's where you see a bit of a difference. So Prescott now feels to me like a player who is week to week upside is capped compared to where it used to be. Um, I still think he's going to be a fringe, you know, QB1 potentially. Probably like somewhere between like 12 to 18 at season's end, maybe for the next two or three years. Uh, So it puts him into this territory where I'm just kind of curious, like from your standpoint, when you hear those numbers, you get that context, what that makes you think of him, maybe in comparison to a player like Murray, and then maybe some of those guys we were going to talk about after.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Cowboys are... The Cowboys, as always, are, are kind of a confusing and frustrating situation. So, you know, they, they move on from Ezekiel Elliott. Okay, that's good. That's probably good for their offense. Um, it was a bad thing compared to, you know, Tony Pollard touching the ball when Ezekiel Elliott was touching the ball. But then they get rid of Kellen Moore because he wanted to pass too much. But then they go out and invest more in the, in the wide receivers than they had in previous years. It's like they, they gave Dak Prescott a, a, a better surrounding cast, and then they draft a day two tight end, bring in Brandon Cooks, and they get rid of the offensive coordinator that wanted to throw the ball. You know, and, and then you've got, you know, Jerry and McCarthy out there saying, you know, they moved on from Kellen Moore because, you know, they wanted to run the damn ball. But they got rid of the workhorse Q, or running back that was probably the better fit for smashing between the tackles and high volume. You know, I, I just don't understand really what's going on in Dallas. But, you know, with Prescott, I think the big concerning thing is the lack of rushing touchdowns. And he had six rushing touchdowns in each of his first three years as a full-time starter. And since then, he went 3-3, 1-1 and the four seasons to follow. Now, that we didn't have full seasons there, but the rushing yards fall off as well. I think it's, you know, natural for a player like him that's had multiple lower body injuries over the last couple of seasons that he's going to make business decisions. And I don't see him as a player that's going to have, you know, 350, 400 rushing yard upside and four to six rushing touchdown upside anymore. Um, So, you know, we're really going to have to see Prescott be a 4,500 yard passer, you know, with, you know, 32 to 35 passing touchdowns and minimal interception activity to be a strong, you know, mid to low end QB one, anything short of that, it's just not going to deliver. There's too many quarterbacks that do rush the ball to boost their fantasy performance and too many others that get in situations where they can really sling it. And frankly, just have better surrounding casts than Prescott to support the really big offensive explosions.
2: Yeah. I think that makes it makes a ton of sense. Uh, and I think that, what we'll see with a lot of guys in this range now, too, is that uh, that lack of ability to get those big spikes like we're going to have with some of these younger, more athletic type of quarterbacks now is really what drives this pretty large chasm we have between the top-level players and the guys that we're talking about now.
1: So if we're, if we're going to throw a little bit of shade toward Dak, now, I mean, again, it's all, it's all relative. You can get him at QB 11 you know, seven rounds later than the top guys. And so Dak just isn't, I don't think it's wise probably to draft Dak in a two QB strategy anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in years past, he would have been, you know, hey, you're, you're going to go two QB strategy in these big best ball tournaments. And he was a guy that you felt like, it, you know, take him in the sixth or seventh, you know, when he was going a little earlier in past years, get two of those guys kind of in that QB window and then be done with it. He doesn't really fit the mold of a guy like that anymore, probably. So if you're if you're gonna potentially draft three QBs anyway, maybe wait a little bit longer on one of the next two guys that we're gonna talk about, uh, who are also you know in their 30s and you know we're, were pretty good fantasy producers last year, but can be had a little bit cheaper. So the first one, Dave, Kirk Cousins, available almost a full round lower. Than Dak, in uh, underdog best ball mania four drafts so far, actually about eight slots by ADP over the past two weeks. I know you're high on Cousins. What do the advanced analytics say there? And, you know, I see a better value than Dak uh, considering what you're looking at right now.
2: Yeah, sure. Well, so the first thing uh, I just will call out last year, he was number four in attempts, number four in completions, four in passing yards, five in passing touchdowns. I think that speaks to the type of production that we're still seeing from him was a QB one in 53% of games. If you look back from 2019 to 2022, you'll see that he's been a QB one in 52% of weeks. But the other thing that you'll see is there's actually been a lot of games for cousins where he's gone over the 25 mark. Uh, In fact, since 2020, he's had 12 uh, plus uh, five years, 17 games of more than 25 points, uh, which for a guy like Cousins, who, you know, is kind of unsexy, kind of boring. These are actually numbers that have been driving teams to victories. Uh, So, you know, I've been pretty impressed with the way that Cousins has been able to sustain sustain what he's doing. Then on top of that, you know, if you consider the type of receivers that he's had, (laughs) that he's playing with, you know, it makes sense why he's been able to hold on to that type of production. Uh, While I get up these advanced stats here, I'll let you chime in um, some thoughts on Cousins for a minute. So
1: so Cousins did, uh, you know, last year, if we're just uh, looking at what happened in 2022, he outscored Prescott by 1.2 PPR game in traditional uh, quarterback scoring fantasy formats. Uh, He had eight games over uh, 20 fantasy points and five outputs over 25 uh, points and two over 30. So, I mean, we definitely got, you know, his QB1 weeks actually, you know, save two that were right in that 19 to 20 range. His QB1 weeks actually were pretty big weeks. That What you see a little bit more with Cousins is that, you know, the bad weeks looked a little worse mm-hmm. than than Dax doesn't matter in best ball. We don't care about that. He's gonna be part of a team approach. You know, if you are thinking from a redraft perspective, you know, I mean, Cousins is definitely a guy where, you know, there might be some matchups that you wanna, you know, stream an alternative option. But, um, you know, everything that I'm looking at from a week to week production standpoint last year, it was basically a coin flip between him and Dak. And, you know, he actually did outscore him per game.
0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply. Need to hire you need indeed.
2: Yeah. So if it also like, you know, if I go in and I look at these advanced metrics, the ones I've been calling, calling out looking at catchable percentage on target percentage, regular completion percentage, a dot attempts per touchdown cousins has been pretty consistent Uh, as a result Curtis I still really like him uh, especially in redraft and I imagine that I'm probably a little bit higher than him on others in dynasty uh, with some of the other reason for that just being the situation that he's in I think makes it a touch easier for him to be able to uh, you know play into an advanced age Uh, versus some other quarterbacks that have less help around them.
1: Also looking at uh, one of the distribution charts that we have in the NFL statics board, uh, I mean, Cousins was basically unstoppable anywhere on the left side of the field um, and deep to the (laughs) right, lots of big plays, not a lot of production over the middle of the field. So I think it's interesting, you know, you move on from, Adam Thielen, who was getting up there a little bit in age, and you know, while he could move all around, you know, the formation, you know, perhaps Jordan Addison being used uh, in that role will be a little bit more productive. Um, and you know, in year two of you know how they would use TJ Hawkinson, perhaps you know that will get more production. You know, actually down the middle in the intermediate level of targets, five to fourteen air yards down the field, because it's not too bad there, but really no deep middle game to speak of or short crosser game uh, to speak of. So I think those are areas where getting younger at wide receiver with that dynamic piece like Addison and then year two for Hawkinson, that's, you know, a a spot where we could see some improvement.
2: Yeah. So, you know, I think that um, there's definitely still some reasons to be optimistic about cousins and, you know, I was really, really high on Jordan Addison. So, you know, between him, Jefferson, Hawkinson, it's going to be really interesting what happens there. Uh, I believe another name that you've thrown out, Curtis, as we've been talking about different players talking about on the show a couple of times, is Geno Smith. Now, Geno Smith last year, everyone remembers, was one of those mega surprises. Started off the year with a stretch of three solid games between weeks three and five ends up being a QB one in 53% of games was number two in completion percentage, number four in passing touchdowns, which you would not have expected to happen in the context of the Seattle offense. Number nine in PPR per game was also Curtis number three in air yards completed and actually number eight an air yards thrown, uh, air yards thrown. So we kind of saw this resurrection last year from Geno Smith. If you look at his advanced stats, his catchable percentage was tied for the third highest among quarterbacks that threw more than a hundred attempts. His on-target percentage was in the top ten, uh, an A dot that was actually fairly competitive across the league, and his attempts per touchdown. Uh, actually at 19 get him in around the top eight so from those perspectives a really solid year from geno seattle goes out they add jackson smith and jigba arguably the most talented the best young wide receiver in the draft he now has three very talented wide receiver he's receivers he's going to be throwing to does this carry forward how long can it carry forward for
1: Well, they signed him to a three year, $105 million deal. Um, You know, that doesn't mean he's going to be the starter for three years, but it is, I mean, it's a reasonable level of commitment for Geno at age 32. Um, They're going to get kind of JSN's rookie window here. Tyler Lockett's going to be around probably for two of those three years, potentially all three. Um, You know, they've got two young second round running backs now. I mean, you know, and, and you look at the NFC West, too. I mean, the Arizona Cardinals are in total shambles. L.A. Rams are kind of rebuilding on the fly. And while the, the Niners did make the NFC Championship game last year, you know, this, their quarterback situation is still up in the air a bit. I mean, the roster's so good and the coaching's good, so they'll probably be competitive. But it feels like probably a two-horse race in the NFC West unless Stafford is just fully healthy and they can get back to slinging it like 2021 20, Um, there. So, you know, I think... Seattle is signaling that, you know, they wanna they want to run it back. They want to see what they can do with giving Gino even more weapons. They're probably gonna play eleven personnel now instead of being twelve heavy like they have over the years. I mean, you don't you don't draft JSN at twenty overall and then say, okay, but he's gonna be a situational player. I mean, I think the plan has to be that Lockett, JSN, and Metcalf are gonna be on the field together a whole heck of a lot. And so, you know, for for Gino to be this, this just plays into his, his skill set that he's developed over a decade of basically holding the clipboard, you know, to his credit. I mean, he's high, he became hyper-efficient and just so deadly accurate. And now you get a, a wide receiver that is so good at separating and has the yak ability. I mean, also Dave, you got to think, you know, Seattle C- Seahawks hired Shane Waldron a couple years ago from the LA Rams mm-hmm. and they have not, you know, when when Waldron was in L.A., when he first got there, they were running a little bit more 12 personnel, but they became an 11-personnel team in those years when they had, I think it was Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, and Brandon Cooks. And then there was another year where there was another guy, and there as the third. But they did when they had that personnel, he flipped. And so I'm wondering if we're going to see something a little bit more akin to the 2020 and 2021 L.A. Rams, uh, as the, the Seattle Seahawks' offensive design. I mean, could we see more of a pass-first attack, even though they invested, you know, another day-two pick in a running back this year? So the, the warning sign, I think I guess the warning with Geno is, you know, hey, he was top eight in attempts. You know, he, he was second in completion percentage. He was fourth in, in touchdown passes, you know, third in air yards completed, et cetera, et cetera. But he was 23rd in expected points per game. You know, his, his fantasy production was on the strength of just how efficient he was. But then you go back to, hey, when Russell Wilson was really good in his heyday, it was on hyper-efficiency. They were a low-passing volume team, and it was like Doug Baldwin at one point. And this is just how Seattle quarterbacks, when they've been successful, it's how they scored their fantasy points. So, you know, I, I wanted to talk Gino to a little bit because when you look in these big best ball tournaments – and, you know, we were talking Prescott and Cousins. These are guys with top 180 P's. Gino's available another full round below Cousins. And so I think Gino is probably the look the, in builds where I'm waiting a long time on quarterback. He's probably the latest quarterback I would be willing to take as my QB one. The late, I mean, and he's going off the board at QB 16, but I think if you follow him up with, and you follow him up with Derek Carr, or Matt Stafford, or, or Jordan Love, and then you wait late and you take like Sam Howell or something like that. Maybe you yep. could be this year's young version of Geno Smith. Um, I, I think Geno is kind of a nice guy that gives you a lot of optionality in the first ten rounds of of your drafts because you know you just know. Like I'm just I'm just gonna keep waiting, and it's very easy to play the Seahawks receiver room because you have three different options that you can take. You know, in those single-digit rounds. I've recently invested a couple dynasty startup uh, superflex uh, chips into to Geno Smith as my as my QB two. I think he's got a nice minimum two year window here um, because even if he doesn't play quite as well as he did last year, you know if the Seahawks were to miss the playoffs, they wouldn't miss it by much this year. They're probably drafting in the middle of the first, and you know maybe they they call a quarterback's name next year but Gino would have a handoff period, but if Gino runs it back and, you know, is as good or better than last year, you know, there's nothing to stop him from being the long-term option. You know, again, he's just 32. I mean, he's, he's four or five years younger than, than Kirk cousins at this point. Wow. Um, So it's a journey that's
2: felt longer than uh, him being (laughs) 32.
1: Yeah, man. But yeah, that's, it's, yeah, it's good for him. So, uh, you know, let's, let's just, Let's just put it this way. I mean, so first off, would you be comfortable with Gino as your first selection? I know you've been doing some underdog drafts. You've been playing the puppy recently. Yep. I know. Would you be comfortable waiting to take Gino? You know, to take Gino as your your QB one, and then of these three QBs, I mean, do you see a pecking order? And it seem like you kind of like Cousins. Is he, is he your favorite at cost of the three, or is it one of the other guys?
2: I think Cousins has been my favorite at cost um, of the three. But I, one of the reasons that I do like Gino, uh, and then, you know, you put it in a best ball context. So I'll kind of address that is that with Gino, then you have three options that are achievable to get to stack with him, which I like. Um, but, uh, yeah, I would be comfortable with Gino as my first quarterback, because as you mentioned, there's other guys that I know I can have in my back pocket that I feel decent about incorporating into a quarterback duo, uh, alongside him And I actually am of the belief that what we saw from Gino last year, even if it's not that explosive start in the beginning, the overall pace that you got from that full season, I actually expect to carry forward for at least two or three seasons. So I never thought that I would be saying this, but, uh, you know, I think we're a pro Geno Smith podcast.
1: Oh, boy. (laughs) <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, we'll have, we'll have to come up with a, a drop for that or something. Uh, yeah, definitely. Anytime we say Geno Smith for the rest of the summer. But, uh, you yeah, know, I think this is good. You know, we've, we've hit on some key uh, quarterbacks that people should be considering and best ball in particular in the later rounds. You know, we talked a little bit of dynasty uh, implications of Kyler Murray er- earlier this week. We'll get onto other topics when we return next week. Some updates on dynasty drafts. Maybe we'll get some live BBM four drafts. And as we close the episode, Dave here, I think it's it's a good time to remind the listeners, you can get a hundred dollar deposit match at underdog fantasy.com when you use promo code ROTOVIS. So if you've been listening to the show and you know, maybe you've been playing your best ball over at FFPC, who also has a great product, but you just haven't signed up for underdog before, you can get your hundred dollar deposit doubled using promo code RODOVIS and You know, the inverse works too. If you use promo code uh, underdog at rotaviz.com, you can actually get a 50% off a, uh, a one month sub, Dave.
2: Absolutely. And then the other great thing, Curtis, when you go from platform to platform, you realize there's a couple of players that you like that are under or overpriced as you switch back and forth. And you can work out your overall portfolio of players. So keep that in mind.